Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 4, Term 1. This is Lesson 4. We are going to continue where we left off on um, page 23. The subtitle is Jesus Heals a Paralytic. Now, I already um, began this in the last session and gave you some quotes. So we are going to get straight into the account now in Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Now, there are several things to be noted here, so I just I, let's deal with them. First, Jesus must have brought his ministry outside in the desert places to a close and return to his home city of Capernaum. So there was a time when he was having those meetings. Remember again with the last incident that he, he had to have his meetings out there? So some time has passed now. Now, this is one of the things that we're going to realize in the Gospels. It's not the next day. Okay? Um, it's actually the next period of time that we're going to deal with. So, the second thing is since Jesus had returned to Capernaum, the phrase he was in the house must mean that he was back at his own house. Alright? Contrary to what some believe, that he didn't have a, a home of his own and was probably staying with Peter. But remember again that we already were told in Matthew chapter 4, verse 13, Remember, and leaving or literally abandoning the city of Nazareth, his hometown, he came and dwelt or settled and made his home in the city of Capernaum, in Galilee. It was by the sea, and remember again, it was the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. Alright, so this explains why Jesus is not going to mind what the friends of the paralytic are going to do to the roof, because it was his house. And as a carpenter who would have no trouble fixing it. See, it starts making sense now, doesn't it? Alright? Mm. So, verse 2. And immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Isn't that beautiful? Alright? He preached the word to them. Why did he come? To preach the gospel. Amen. In other words, as William MacDonald points out, word had spread quickly. And people were anxious to see the miracle worker in action. Whenever God moves in power, people are attracted. It's just a fact. To get a bit more detail, we will look at the parallel account in Luke's Gospel, which adds a few more details to this picture. When it says in Luke chapter 5 and verse 17, Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. Now this is the first mention of Pharisees in this Gospel, by the way who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. Now listen to this. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. God's power was there to heal everybody. The power came. Listen to me. There will be times when you're, you know, people ask you for prayer, and... You're praying for them and seemingly nothing is happening. Listen to me. In this whole group we're going to see, not one other person is going to get healed except this guy. The power was there. But not everybody was receiving that power. Not everybody was open to that power. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, you know, if I was to... You know, I, I, I see things in, in a very different way, I think, to a lot of people. When I read something like this, I get visuals. It's almost like, you know, you can, if you can just follow, go with me for a minute here. 
if you can see Jesus in his home. And it, see, they wrote this for a reason. They wrote this because something was there. You know if you walk into a creepy house? Okay, and you think, oh, we're not alone here. There's something here. Okay, and creeps us out. Why? Because there's a presence there that you know, even though you can't see, something is there. Okay, and we know, you know, that there is a, a kingdom of darkness. We know that. Okay, it's not in people's imagination. The same way, when Luke wrote this, and he said the power of the Lord was present. The power of the Lord was present. The power was there. They could feel it. They could sense it. If you had any kind of uh, uh, sensitivity to the Spirit, you would walk in and go, Whoa! There's something here. It's in a good way. Okay? Not in the freaky way. In a good way. You just go, Wow, God's power is here. And you know, for you guys, I believe that when you walk into a church or whatever, I believe that you are sensitive enough to know as you walk in, the presence of God is here. Or, no, it's just a building. Just because it's shaped like a church doesn't make it a place where God is, by the way. All right? So I want you to see that, and I want you to understand that it was something so tangible, it was something so real, it was written down. Now we're going to get back back to that in just a minute, because there's a lot going on in here in this verse. Firstly, (laughs) Craig A. Evans writes, Luke broadens the scope of Jesus' audience by telling us, that these religious authorities came from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, where the controversies would reach their climax in the crucifixion. Now, I want you to get this. Why were they all there? They're all hearing about this miracle worker. They're all hearing about this person that you know, has to go out in the desert places just to manage the crowds, that the city can't handle someone, you know, this person. What, what they're doing is having such an impact, like none of them have ever had before. Okay, their churches, even when they have special guests, doesn't fill up like this. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Okay, so they're all curious now. You can understand that, uh, can I just conjecture a little bit? Okay, can we just go down this track a little bit? I honestly believe some of them would have been thinking, could this be the Messiah? Could we finally have the person that was promised to us in Genesis 3.15? Because remember, they're waiting for the Messiah. It's been so long. And they're all coming out to see, but you know something? Do you know what they're coming out to see? Somebody that they approve of. Somebody that follows all their religious beliefs and ideas and does everything on the right days and and is very religious and they're all very religious they're dressed religiously they sit religiously they look at you religiously i mean i know people like this man i mean they're just religious top to bottom and you don't want to preach anything to them because they religiously know everything let's see if you know something is what's on their mind they don't have any heart to learn they're just there to see if, you know, you know all their stuff. And how well do you know their stuff? And depending on how well you know their stuff, then they might either let you or not let you into their club. I'm not kidding. I mean, this, I, why am I saying all of that? Because Luke has said the power was there. Why didn't it work? 
the power was there. Listen, when criticism is there, power can't work. But isn't it interesting, even though all that criticism, criticism was there, one person comes down from a hall, gets healed, and goes home. In the midst of criticism, listen to me, what I'm trying to tell you now is that when the power is there, it will still do the work that if there's anybody there that's believing, they'll receive it. Regardless of the criticism. So don't you stand up there and say, Oh well, if there weren't so many people criticizing me, I could have done more. No, no, no. Listen, the power is there. Whether they receive it or not, that's their problem, not yours. Get it? So don't ever think, Oh no, you know, this is going to work because... You know, whenever you make this comment of saying, This is going to work because they're here, then you're telling the power of the enemy is greater than the power of God. It, that is never the case. The power of God will always be greater, regardless of what the enemy tries to do. So if there is one little guy there that's sitting there going, I don't care what all they're saying, I know, if you pray for me, I'll get healed. Don't ever look at him and say, Dude, I normally would, but with all this, you know, I just don't feel it. <laughs> okay? We need to get past after that, man. We just need to, you know... <laughs> I remember praying for someone, and I, well, you know, when I put my hands on people, I can tell basically where they're at. Basically. Okay? And this was a relative. And I put my hand on this individual, and oh dear Jesus, I just, uh, you know, there's nothing, and then there's below nothing, you know? And I put my hand on this person, and I thought, there's less than nothing here. This is going to be hard. And I don't think this person is coming up here because they want to come up. I think somebody told them they had to come up. You know one of those ones? No, I was standing there. I had my hands. And I said, God. And he said, you know what? They're here. I said, you know what? That's right. They are here. <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, push through. Don't let them go down unless they, unless they receive this. I said, can I do that? I don't know if I can do that. He said, just trust me. We'll do this. And so I stood there and I thought, okay, you're up here, you're up here. You are standing here. However you got here, you're here. Didn't have to come, but you came. So I, I started praying. And I, I know it was one of the first times that I honestly felt the struggle that is required sometimes to push something out of the way in order to get something in to someone. In, kind of in spite of themselves. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. And I prayed and... The person didn't say anything. You know, they left. About a week later, they call up and say, Oh, you know, you know, they said, You know, when you prayed for me, you know, I got healed. I'm like, You could have told me. <laughs> okay. And, uh, but we walk by faith and not by sight, right? Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, but that, you know, I would rejoice in that. I would praise God. And this individual then started telling everybody else, you know, it was one of those ones. I can understand what it's like to be in a place where people are not receptive. And, you know, the atmosphere is difficult, but you don't give up. You're there, they're there, do something. Amen? Amen. And don't let the devil win. Don't let him win. Now, if the people there, you know, have attitudes and stuff, you can't do anything about that. But don't let that attitude do something to you. You get that? Okay. I told you we might not get to the bottom of the page. All right. <laughs>
<laughs> Second paragraph. In short, <laughs> Jesus' reputation had spread, and as John MacArthur puts it, already the scribes and Pharisees were watching him critically. Did you see that? To this, William Hendrickson adds, It is clear from Luke's entire account that these men were anything but open-minded. They seem to have been filled with envy. Probably deeply disturbed about the large crowds Jesus was attracting and about the content of his teaching. See, this is, what they, this is how it starts to go downhill. Because first of all, you take, you know, Jesus is taking the people and the money away from them. You, you know that's what's going on, right? Okay. So they are now wanting to come and discredit him in some way. To do that, you have to attend a meeting. Which is very annoying. Because you don't really want to. This is the person that you don't want to sit under the ministry of. So you're going to come there not to listen, to hear and grow up, be healed, whatever. You're coming there to say, what can we write down that we can misquote? Which they're going to. Alright, you're going to see even in this trial, they're going to misquote things that people had said. Alright? Just so that they can write things down, so that they can twist it and turn it and, and, and misquote it. So, to make him look like anything other than the Messiah. Moving on. In other words, these religious leaders were there dressed in their ceremonial robes with extra long tassels, not to help in any way, but to find fault. And as Arkent Hughes points out, though there, though there was standing room only, the Pharisees were sitting. We can just picture them seated in honored positions, wearing suspicious looks, and just waiting for a slip-up by Jesus. Let me talk to you about that for a minute. Uh, get the picture here. Alright? These are the sort of people that turn up, and you're in their seat. <clears throat> oh, oh, sorry, I didn't see the Pharisee here. Okay, I'll get up and move. Are you getting this? Alright, remember Jesus said, you always, see, we, we don't really understand when He says, you, you know, you always look for those honored places, you always sit at the front, you're always looking to, you know, be, be ushered to the front, and, and, and when they don't do it, you get all upset and everything. This is what we're talking about now. Okay? Oh, we, we'll start looking at that later on. But these guys, even though there was standing room only, they sat. Now let me ask you a question. Jesus said, "Let's not don't please don't be like what everybody else is like." And you know the sad thing was, the the uh, when he was giving this illustration to all of us, we understood that that's the way the world is because he says that's the way the world is. But when you begin to see how the Pharisees acted, that's the way the Pharisees were too. They were just like the world because he says, "Now listen, you, the servant of all." The greatest of all is the servant of all, not the one that's bossing everybody around. Get it? So, you know what should have been happening? Somebody walked in. You know, I, I, I would, I'll bet you anything that there might have been an old man or old woman walked in. They're standing there and the Pharisee is sitting down. It's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, this is my spot. Instead of saying, oh, madam, come and sit over here. You know, this is a good spot, in fact. You know, it's right at the front. I came half an hour early or three hours early so I could get the spot. But, you know, I'm seeing you here. You better sit down instead. Should have been the attitude. 
They should have been saying to Jesus, you let us know what you need. We're here. We, we see that God is doing this, these amazing things through you. What can we do to help? Can I just throw this other scenario here? Okay. And so they should have been standing and ushering people in and letting people know, you know, and saying to Jesus, man, you know, you start healing them, it's cool, we'll look after the crowds. Just go for it. Remember, I mean, Jesus is standing there in opposition to all the other religions. And while there's all these religious, you know, wars going on, he's standing there and showing this one is right. And all you boys, what you believed in, was right. Let me show you. Ta-da! <coughs> Are you getting this? So instead of them kind of going, hurrah, this is our champion. Can I just keep going a little bit further? Because sometimes we see it, it's so sad what happened, that we actually miss what should have happened. If they decided... To say to Jesus, you know what? We know you're the Messiah. And all of our temple activity has been pointing to you. So we want you. This is what it was all about. You're healing people. You are bringing us the Father's word. You're bringing us God's word. We haven't heard this in a long time. Our last prophet died, you know, 400 years back or whatever. We just haven't heard the voice of God like this. John the Baptist was kind of good, but gee, you know. He doesn't heal anybody like you're healing. This is just extraordinary. And this is what we've been believing for. This is what we've been praying for. So you know what? Let's just shut down all of our, you know, our synagogues and everything. Where do you want to hold your meetings? We'll be there. In fact, if any, anybody comes, you might leave a little attendant there to say, by the way, the meeting has moved to over here. Listen, listen. Had they done that and they moved out... And they all came willingly. What do you think Jesus would have done? Offering time. Listen, this is Jesus. He would say, take up the offering. How many, you know, uh, uh, pastors or rabbis or whatever are here? Put your hand up. Okay, we count 20. Uh, Judas. Yeah. Get your, hand off the, get your hand out of the bag. All right. Divide up whatever we got into 20 and give it to them. This is Jesus. I can see Judas, look, me in. Alright? Listen to me. Because he knows they need to eat. They're here helping. You don't think Jesus didn't pay people? Listen, we, we need to change our whole mindset. He would have got, he would have taken everything that he got and he said, take it, go. I can just imagine these people going, are you, you kidding? Well, what about you? <laughs> don't worry, boys. I can lay hands on stuff and things turn up when, you know. Fish and bread and coins and whatever. He doesn't have a problem. He can take one coin and suddenly there's a bag. Seriously? Amen? Can you see what would have happened? I mean, they would have been coming out because they're saying, This is great. We don't have to put up in council and do all this stuff with these people. Jesus is just healing them. Whether it's emotional, psychological, whatever it is, demons. He's doing it all and then we're getting paid. The kingdom of God has certainly come. <laughs> okay? It would have been awesome. Are you seeing this? You might say, yeah, but then what about the crucifixion? That would have happened the right way, not the wrong way. 
Anyway, that's, that's for another time. I've, I've actually shared that with some of you. Anyway, moving on. Do you see now what should have happened? Do you see what's happening instead? Do you see how Jesus would have known that's what should have happened and this is happening and how sad he would have been? See, sometimes we don't clearly see what should have happened, but this is God. He would have known what the perfect will was. And now this is going on. Let's move on. Alright. So I've said, and finally... Oh, where were we? Oh yeah. William Hendrickson. Did I... I didn't say... I didn't mention this. William Hendrickson concludes, Consider then these two groupings. On the one side, Pharisees and and teachers of the law, filled with the desire to destroy. On the other side, Jesus himself overflowing with power to heal. Clearly a conflict is in the making. A battle is brewing. Are you seeing that? So, I've said here now, finally take note how the verse ends. It says, And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Notice it's them. It didn't say one person. Even though only one is going to get it. In, in the words of Craig Evans, when Luke tells us that the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick, the stage was set for the appearance of the paralytic. So it's saying that, they, they're basically setting the stage that, listen, anything that drops in will get healed now. The power is there. Okay, This power will be seen, not only in the physical healing of the paralytic, but in the pronouncement of the forgiveness. See, there was a power needed for that as well. Okay, and so it goes on to say, Luke chapter five, verse eighteen. Thank God we got to the next verse. Okay, <laughs> then behold. Whenever they say behold, it's not just a word to fill it in. Today, if you were texting, then you would say, "Then OMG." Get it? Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what behold means. It's like today you get OMG with the exclamation mark. It's like a, this is a surprising thing that has just happened. Okay, this is something surprising. It said, then behold, all right, men, this four, Mark says, brought or carried on a bed a man who was paralyzed or paralytic, whom they, whom they sought and tried to bring in and lay before him. Now remember, the problem they're having is this. The house is packed out, there's, there's no way to get anybody in. Okay? And you, you need to imagine that it doesn't just pack out here. It just it kept going. Remember, it was, you know, it was pretty big. Whenever they know he's there, everybody turns up. Every has, everybody has something to get healed of. <coughs> but also they wanted to hear what he had to say. Because they had never heard anything like him. Whenever he starts to share things, they actually understand. They're probably saying to themselves, you know, this is the first time I went to church and actually got what they said. What have we been doing for the last 20 years? I don't know. <laughs> okay? We've been going to church and there's nothing. All right, So, the, everybody is there. And so, it says here, <sighs> let me read William Hendrickson. I, I want to share some other things, but just let me stop here. William Hendrickson writes, In the present case, Whatever may, may have uh, been the parts of the body affected by paralysis, perhaps quadriplegic, we don't know, okay? And, and, uh, and the point to which the sickness had progressed, one fact is clear. The stricken person was unable to move about, okay? Meaning that the paralysis was severe. He had to be carried 
four men, we don't know whether they're relatives or friends, performed this service for him. So he just couldn't get around at all. Okay, verse 19. And when they could not find how, literally by what way, they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop. Alright, and they uncovered the roof where he, Jesus, was, Mark says. And when they had broken through, they let him down, and this is Mark's account, and I'm mixing the two. They let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. First of all, notice, notice the contrast between the people helping the paralytic and the people interested in helping themselves only. Okay, do we see the contrast here? One group of four went out of the way to help, while the other group went out of the way to hinder. Okay, well, you know, so we are seeing some real contrast here. It's very interesting how they, you know, you need to get when the, write, when the, when the gospel writers actually make a point and, and write something down, they're about to contrast it with something else. Okay, so all the Pharisees are there in all their garments and waiting to criticize, and then here are people coming trying to get help for their friend. All right, okay. And what's astounding is that the four friends, instead of getting mad and causing a scene with the people who refused to move out of their way, kept a good attitude and just got more resourceful in getting their friend to Jesus. Someone nicknamed these friends as sympathy, cooperation, originality, and persistence. You know the four? Okay. And said we should each strive to be a friend who displays these qualities. Did you like that? Sympathy, cooperation, originality, and persistence. R. Kent Hughes, commenting on these four friends, says, Along with great love, his friends had great faith, and implicitly believed that Christ could and would heal their friend. Their faith was persistent. When they got their friend on the stretcher, there was no stopping them. I love that. Okay? When they came to an obstacle, none of them said, Well, the door is closed. I guess this isn't the Lord's will. They got going. We need to learn from this. Now, you know, let me just balance this out. There are times, okay, if you're trying to do something and you find that things are just not working out and, and you sense on the inside kind of like a, can I say an amber light? Okay, it's not a green light anymore. It's not necessarily red. It's just a caution. Pay attention. I have, I have not paid attention to things like that in the past. And I have pushed through, because you know, they say push through, and regretted it. And I've said, God, and he said, I try to warn you. <laughs> okay? I mean, that's all it was. And I go, oh, that was you? Mm-hmm. Okay? Listen, man. You need to be sensitive. You need to be led by the Spirit. If, if something is... There are times now, I've learned this now from past experience. If, there, if I'm finding things are getting in the way constantly, I'll ask God, is this the devil or is this you? I need to ask that question. Listen to me. Ask the question. Some days he says, it's just the devil. I'll go, okay. Let's get on with this. And I will push through and praise God the results are extraordinary I'll just say that other days you know you get in the flesh and you think I want to do this and you're trying to and it's, things are getting in the way I'm going to I'm going to make this happen whether anybody likes it or not and you regret it 
Because God was trying to say, don't do this, dude. This is you. This is not me. You're not being led by the Spirit. It's something else. Let go of it. And there have been times that I've just pushed through and regretted. So, again, lesson learned. Pay attention. Check with God. If it's Him, it's Him. Now, these guys obviously knew this wasn't God. They needed to get their friend to Jesus. One way or the other. They couldn't get a bad attitude. Alright? Because <laughs> that wouldn't work. Okay? And they need to be resourceful. And one way or the other, Jesus is going to get to see this man. This man is going to be healed today. They would have said that to him today. It would have been like, Charlie, today's your lucky day. You're no longer going to need this stretcher, man. When we're done, you're going to walk out of that place. They would have made him the promise, man. I mean, this, that's the kind of commitment they would have made in order to do all of this. They wouldn't have said, well, now, let's just try and see Jesus. And if, if, if things get in the way, then we'll just, you know, at least we tried. Was not their attitude. Okay. And so having managed to get their friend on to the rooftop, probably why external stairway. They used to have these external stairways going up to the roof, because people used to go upstairs in those countries, and then, you know, they would lie. And, and, and remember David? Okay, okay, yeah, that was it. All right. Anyway, and having worked out, where Jesus would be standing, they, they would have had to actually work out where he was. I don't know how they did that, but somehow they, you know, whether they jumped up and down, you know, and looked through the window as much as they could, go, where is he? I think he's around there in the middle. Okay, we know which part of the roof to go down. Because they're going to need to, they can't fall on a Pharisee, you understand. You know, those guys are not good to fall on. <laughs> you know? All right. Okay. So, having worked out where Jesus would be standing, it says in the literal text that they then unroofed the roof. Okay, that's what the actual text says. In his commentary, John... Oh, we run out of time. Let me do this and finish here. John MacArthur explains, Often the roof was made of slabs of burnt or dried clay that were placed on supporting beams which stretched from wall to wall. Are you getting the picture? The builder then spread a uniform coat of clay to serve as a seal against the rain. The paralytic's, friend, uh, the paralytic's friends took him up to the top of such a house and dug out the top coat of clay, removing several of the slabs or tiles until they made enough room. Notice they're not, they're not sending him down straight. They're going to send the whole stretcher down. Okay? Until they made enough room to lower him down into Jesus' presence. And it's more likely that from the moment that these men began to dig through the roof, that the service would have been disrupted with all eyes looking up to see what was going on. And when it was obvious what was happening, what's sad is that none of the scribes or Pharisees, supposedly God's holy representative, ever lifted a finger to help. They were too busy criticizing and, of course, trying to look good in front of everyone. That was what they were focused on. All right? You know that, can we agree that when they started digging out the roof, you didn't know something was going on. Amen? Wouldn't have been a quiet thing. I mean, you know, the roof starts coming out. You know something's going on. Now, we'll stop there for today. There's so much more I want to say, but we so have run out of time and can only fit so much on a disc. <clears throat> Let's have every head bowed. We'll stop there. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's pray.